0: Oh! Let me try this in my Yoda voice. Happy ninth month of the
1: year, or 3rd month that has exactly 30 days. Or 4th month to have a length of fewer than 31 days. Mm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or or happy September. September will do.
2: Welcome to Echo
0: Online Community. Yeah! Did you know Echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose? All in one space? it's beautiful it's beautiful do us a favor let us know where you're watching from comment mm-hmm. below press the like button. button or oh heck bucket. just hit any key just any let key us know. smash any key smash. it should work <laughs> we encourage you to take your first steps into life-giving local church and find the community and the support that you have been hoping for. Stop by at Mayo High School for one of our services at 9.15 and 10.45 on Sundays. Those are the new times. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to meet you.
2: <laughs> Just smash any key. Just smash any key. Me.
0: Thank you for the obedience to God's word with the giving of your tithe, Matthew 6.21. Oh, and you had a voice, yeah.
3: Where your heart
1: will also be, your treasure is. Mm -hmm. Or for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes more sense. Question, where is your treasure? Is it
3: only on the earthly things or have you considered the internal impact you can have? Mm. Would you consider investing over and above your tithe today or this month, furthering the vision of echoing Jesus
0: in Mm. Rochester and the surrounding area? If you're looking to give, head to our website, text any amount to 84321. Uh yeah, that's it. Enjoy Echo Service, Enjoy. friends.
1: Enjoy it.
2: Mm, bye.
3: you today. As we go on to this next song, Father, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to go to a new level with you this morning in worship, and I pray that you would help us to say yes to your calling this morning, in Jesus' name.
2: Reshave my-
3: to those who do the will of the Father. So Jesus, we pray that Echo Church would be a church that would do the will of the Father. And when we step on the scene, all of heaven invades the earth. Father, I pray for those that may not know you in this room, Jesus, that they would experience your presence today that would change their hearts, change their minds, and that they would present themselves as a living sacrifice. That's pleasing unto you, Jesus. We pray all this in the mighty name of King Jesus. Amen. Let's everybody yell, Send me, Lord. Send me, Jesus.
0: I need to ask a question out there. How many of you guys have ever put on boxing gloves with the intention of hitting something? Okay, is the answer no? Okay, good. All right, a few people out there. All right, so uh, I've got to be honest. When I watch boxing matches for the longest time, I used to get so frustrated because you'd see these really physical people out there. and For like three rounds, they're swinging and whatnot, and then by like the fourth or fifth or especially later on, and especially if they're heavyweights, they start like grabbing onto each other and they start not swinging and their gloves are low and they look just exhausted. And I'm like, get it together. What is wrong with you people? And then I put on boxing gloves with the intention of hitting somebody once. Can I just tell you? Like, I know you hear things like, well, boxing gloves don't even weigh a pound each. You swing like 20 times and you're like, I can't lift my arms anymore. So when I was in college, we had this like crappy lounge. Lounge is even maybe too nice a word for what this empty room was. And somebody had brought boxing gloves. So we went down there and we all took turns boxing our roommates. There's no way that can go poorly, right? So uh, my roommate turns out was like a cross country runner and super super fit and I was not. But nonetheless, we went down there and boxed. And so for like 45 seconds, we were just swinging and it was just awesome. We're both getting punched in the face. It was just super awesome. And then we both got really tired. And like you'd start, you start off and you try to look cool and you're trying to go like this. And then by the end, you're going... (laughs) Because you have nothing left. So uh, this is one way to fight. But Jamie, tell us a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. So
4: today we're going to talk about a metaphorical fight, a spiritual fight to contend or persevere against opposition or temptation.
0: I love it. So we're going to talk about some things maybe worth fighting for as opposed to those fighting against. So about nine years ago to the day, really close to the day. Um, My lovely wife here, well, let let me back up for a second. We always had a passion for adoption. We had been foster parents. We'd done a bunch of things like that. And so we always had this passion for for adoption. Jamie, why had we not adopted up to that point? We were poor. Yes. Period.
4: We had no money to adopt.
0: Not like nice broke. Like ugly broke. I just want to make that super clear. Like if you're picturing it, it's not good. Like it's really bad broke. And so Jamie, in in a moment, you made a decision to do something for our family. And tell us about that decision.
4: Yes, sir. Well, this two kids were 7 and 6 at the time and I just was like we are like so far out of the baby game. What are we doing? It's now or never. And so I went to Scott and I had actually um, been a stay-at-home mom, probably four, four or five years, um, and knew we didn't have the money. But I was like, I need to do something. Like, we have to pursue this. And if God closes the door, that's totally fine. But I know that we have to physically do something. And so I had this great idea that I would go work somewhere for like seven to ten days, just so I could put the application in and put the money down and know that God would be faithful if if we were supposed to do it. So I this great idea to work at the State Fair. So I went to Scott.
0: Okay, so you come to me about working at the State Fair, which, by the way, that sounds terrible to me. I'm just throwing that out there. It gets worse. So, Jamie, what job was it that you pursued at the State Fair?
4: So I looked in the... I think I looked in the newspaper that dates this all of this but i was like maybe maybe it was craigslist actually it was craigslist oh my word it was craigslist is craigslist
0: a thing anymore it's not right do people use craigslist still i looked on Craigslist. oh i've seen it yes
4: okay all right state fair job i don't know it must have had like a dollar amount or something because i was just like this is it and i um it was selling shoes at the state fair like do you know what feet look like and smell like after a day at the state fair it's gross
0: it's very gross. So, Jamie, for the entire length of the state fair, except for what I, if I remember, like, one day, you worked constantly. And where was the job at in the state fair? Like,
4: We were in the grandstand, like, inside. No air conditioning. It was one of the hottest summers, one of the most humid.
0: I believe still, and you can check this, maybe it's changed since, but at the time, this was the hottest state fair in the history of Minnesota. And my wife is working in the grandstand selling shoes to people. For this incredible moment. Okay. So Jamie gets done late. The state fair gets done on Labor Day. So that's Monday. And Jamie going to get done at like two in the morning that day and did not want to take the bus back like you had all week because you were going to have a big wad of cash because you're yeah. about to get paid. <laughs> so I drove down and got you at like two in the morning, picked you up. And then what did we do?
4: Uh, The next day, we deposited the money, and we sent a check to the adoption agency.
0: So we deposited the money, sent out a check. This is now Tuesday morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Within about two hours of us sending that check out, we met our youngest daughter for the very first time. Two hours. (laughs) And I'm not saying, like, everything. Like, I wish so much more in my life worked like, I just do the thing, and then God (laughs) does the thing, and it's, like, two hours. Like, I wish... I wish that was the moral of the yeah. story today. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe it was for this one instance. But in that moment, your willingness, and this is a really proud moment as a husband, and you just willing to put yourself out there and do it. just a terrible <laughs> job. Like, uh, just committed. But by the way, she loved it. Really had fun.
4: I love shoots, man. So, um,
0: so I just loved the, the faithfulness and how God responded in those moments. And then within uh, six weeks, Jovi was in our house forever. Like, we met her that day. She's right here on the front row. She's right here, front row. Best hair in the church. Let's go. (laughs) One of the things when we talk about fighting in in our message today, we want to stop fighting to be right. We want to stop fighting the wrong battles and start fighting the right battles. We want to start fighting for relationships and things that really matter.
4: Yeah, we want to fight for uh, our families, our friends, and our community.
0: Now, one thing I want to make super clear is the enemy is not the other political party. I don't care what party you are. It's not the other one. I'm just throwing it out there. It's not your friends or neighbors who disagree with you. It's not somebody on a social media website who disagrees with you. It's not your neighbor. It's not the person who cut in front of you to get your parking spot here at church (laughs) or sat in your chair here in the building. Those are not your enemies. As much as I want to curse people on the road, those are not my enemies. We were made to live in community. God designed us to live every aspect of our life together.
4: Ecclesiastes, if you have your Bible and you want to pull it out, you can. Otherwise, I will read it. 4, 9 through 10 and 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help them the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken.
0: Now, if we're going to fight for our family and friends and for our community, there's got to be a tangible how to this. And I'm going to tell you, this is like my least favorite somebody from stage how to get something fixed. I'm just throwing that out there. I just, when somebody tells me to pray, I'm always like, that's just not the answer I was looking for. I'm just, this is just me being transparent. But in this moment, we want to talk about prayer and we want to talk about it in a little bit of a different way. Uh, But James, go ahead and read that.
4: Yeah, in Ephesians 6. Um, it talks about the, the things that we, we have to fight with. And so um, Ephesians 6.18 says, Prayer is essential in the ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters.
0: Now, I think there's a belief that people who stand on stage and talk about Jesus probably pray, like, at least a few hours a day, right? I mean, that's probably an expectation. It's, I just want to be, I, I can't speak for the other people who are up here. I can say with confidence that's not us. <laughs> I want to tell you a little bit of a practical way, though, that I actually do pray that just happens to help me. Because I think sometimes we over-spiritualize some things when in reality they can be very practical in kind of the spiritual journey. So one of the things I do is I pray through my calendar. I pray through our personal calendar. I know what our family's doing all day. I know when our kids are doing this or my wife's doing that or whatever it is. And I pray through my work calendar and all the meetings I have and all the things going on. And for me, it's a really practical way to pray for the things that are important to me. If you tell me right now, I had, a, had an intercessory prayer class in college. Uh, I didn't really know Jesus much before I got to college and so they put me in this intercessory prayer class and our job was during chapel was to go in this extra room and pray for the people in chapel. And I slept every single time. <laughs> like every single time. I fell asleep, like I just laid down and went to sleep and I prayed. Some, I know and just, I just, just want to maybe peel back the curtain a little bit, and just help you guys realize we're all on the same tough journey.
4: Yeah, and for me, praying um, as a, you know, young mom and not so young mom anymore, um, (laughs) sometimes it's just on my, you know, commute from taking the kids to school, it's just a conversation within myself with God, you know, like, it doesn't have to be anything, you know, I don't have to sit down and go before the throne and like get everything together first it's just Light a, a, a part of my you know, day do it up and uh one of the things i heard on a podcast recently and i absolutely fell in love with it and i'm going to be implementing it into my own life is instead of just going to god with all these requests sometimes i think it gets exhausting it's like okay god please do this and then he doesn't and please you know do this and then he does i don't know just like it can be exhausting and then you just give up Um, but let, I think one of the things, if we kind of switch our, our mindset and start to pray God's promises, like God, there are promises in the Bible that God has given to all of us. God, you are our rest. You give freedom to the captives. You are my strength. You work all things together for my good.
0: That's awesome. You know, one of the things that we've done as a family, and this is like the most basic and simple thing you can do, but just pray for dinner. And it doesn't have to be some super deep prayer. One of my favorite things, uh, I will tell you this, uh, some of my proudest moments are watching my kids pray because now we make them pray. It used to be us, we'd pray for dinner, now we make the kids pray. But one of the things I really like is when I start my prayer pretty much beyond, I mean, it doesn't matter what the prayer for, my first thing I always say in prayer is, God, thank you for today. Thanks for today, just to set that standard. And I noticed, especially with my older two, they always start prayers with that. Don't think even something as basic as praying for your dinner together uh, doesn't make a huge difference.
4: Yeah, and then in, uh, with that, just slowing down and carving out time to listen for the voice of God. I think sometimes we're so worried about what we're asking for and what we're praying about. And, um, but sometimes we just need to be still. I, um, That's good. I recently put a hammock up in our front yard, and it's like my favorite place to just like get inside and be alone for a few minutes. Not very long usually. (laughs) Someone always finds me. But it's one of the places where I can just shut everything off and just like look up into the trees and listen. And and I ask God to speak to me. Like just speak to me. I'm I'm listening. And there's usually a still small voice. You know, God's not like Jamie. You know, it's it I wish he did sometimes. If he does that, let us know. We'd, we'd I know, luck. I really want to hear about it. We'd if that love happens to hear too. your story. But um, yeah, so just slowing down. Exodus fourteen fourteen says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That's
0: good. I like that. Uh, one of the other things that we've done as a family, and this is something you can start today, but Jamie, I, I give her all the credit for this. We've always made dinner together a priority. It didn't really matter who had what going on. There's been seasons where I would have to work one or two nights a week late, and so they would eat dinner. But I would say at least five nights a week, our family has dinner together. I got a 16 and a 15-year-old. I got a nine-year-old. We have a busy life. But because we laid this foundation, it's just important. It's just something that we've done. And I would just encourage you to make that a priority in your life.
4: Yeah, I was listening to a sermon on a podcast. It's the podcast someone asked in the last service, so I'll just tell you. It's called Human Hope by Carlos Whitaker. I don't agree with everything he says. Just put that out there. If you listen to the
0: podcast of only people you agree with, I think you're missing out. He's
4: phenomenal. He has great things to say. But he, in a recent podcast, um, he played a sermon actually that he had spoken. He's a speaker and travels. Um, He said, be still. Our lives are too loud. We need to lower the sound of our life to hear the voice of God. And it struck me so much that we're so busy running and we're so busy going that we don't take time to sit and be still before the Lord. It's become vital in our world and in our lives today to intentionally engage in moments of quiet. It's the only way we can actually hear the voice of God.
0: So, one of the decisions that I made uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, Pastor Andy and Christy call us to prayer and fasting, like in know, March. Is that right? Hey, January? Days, yeah. All right, January. We're going with January. And sometime in 2021. And so this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I was like, God, what should I? What, what does this look like? What is it? And I decided that social media was going to be the thing I fasted. And I was kind of having this frustration with social media because what I found was the negative in my like the the weight of the negative so far exceeded the benefits of the positive. I was like, this is going to be a good 21 days. Uh, I have. Uh, not gone back to social media since. And I only tell you that, one, I, I do still have a Facebook page. I do still have an Instagram page. If you've asked to be my friend, I'm not a jerk. I just don't pay attention. Um, I have to do, sometimes people send you things you have to see on those things, but otherwise, I, I'm not on those things. But for me, it was just something where they were a net negative in my life. And this is not a judgment. Man, you love social media, own it. I mean, I'm not, not, not judgment, but just something that we made a decision about to try to help make things, uh, just make it a little easier to hear the voice of God.
4: Yeah, and I had been contemplating going off for similar reasons. I had a conversation with Jordan and Chelsea Walker, and uh, they helped me see the benefits that it is for your in-person relationships and the time that you can devote to the people that are you know, in in your actual real life. And um, so it pushed me to close my accounts. I did give a little caveat. I opened my account again because Sam Kemet, posted pictures of kids camp and I had to see my nine-year-old at camp. So was I am the, on there. Some of you follow me. I've never posted anything. Was it the same Sam Kemitz whose phone was yes. going off? Yes, the beeping up right here. We're, I, we're calling her out I don't know if you guys right heard now. that. It wasn't us. I don't know if you guys Sam's heard that. Sam's phone. She I'm couldn't find it. I'm digging all over it.
0: trying to figure out what was going on.
4: Sorry, uh, yes. Um, so the past, the past three years have been hard. They've been hard for all of us and I think social media has exacerbated so much it's of, of what good. was happening in our world. We've all had personal trauma, collective trauma where we're grieving people we lost through the pandemic. Like there's there's just so much and our social media elicits more for our minds and our bodies than we were ever supposed to hold. And so I'm not telling you you have to get off social media. I'm just limiting it. Like you you aren't supposed to have that much information and um,
0: one of the things you've talked about is the burden that you feel when you know all the bad things going on and listen I'm not the answer is not stick your head in the sand but at the same time I don't need to see every bad thing that's ever happened to anybody put right in front of me on social media either so if we're gonna fight and fight for our faith how can we fight for our faith this is my second least favorite answer by the way which is the Bible like pastors love telling you to pray more and read the Bible Um, I want to tell you a little bit about Jamie and I. So I went to a Christian college. I took Bible classes. I have the equivalent of like what you would call a four-year degree in pastor and Bible. Jamie has taken a bunch of classes. Jamie has like an associate's degree in these same things. But the thing I want to be super clear about is we still don't really understand the Bible. Like you don't have to feel bad that you all of a sudden open it up and it doesn't exactly make sense. The Bible is not meant for you to fully understand it when you read it. Have you ever read any book that was written like, okay, let's back up for a second. How many of you guys got stuck reading Shakespeare in high school? Shakespeare is like 500 years old, and I can't follow Shakespeare to save my life. And it's sort of in the same language I speak. The Bible is maybe a lot of the stuff, especially Old Testament stuff, we're talking about thousands and thousands of years ago. It's not really built for you to understand because culturally you're so removed from it.
4: Yeah, Ephesians six thirteen through 17 says, Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon that God has issued, so when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon.
0: Fighting for your faith might be slowing down, but it might also be stepping up to serve. One of the things that I think is really interesting is I don't think you can fully understand what it is to walk with Jesus if your life is just about you. Um, one of the things, uh, we've, living life in community has always been a really big heart of, of, of Echo Church, and it's because of our pastors, Andy and Christy, they've really pushed and modeled so well the idea of the table and of community and doing those things together. Now, Jamie and I, at the beginning of this year, all, a lot of our good ideas are Jamie's ideas. I'm going to be honest. I can say this on stage. I will say some of our worst yes. ideas are Jamie's ideas, too. Like, Jamie lives on both sides. Jamie's always ready to move forward uh, for the next thing. But this, one of her excellent ideas was she's like, hey, I'm going to do this Bible study starting in 2022. It's called the Bible Recap. And so just talk about that just a little bit. And mostly,
4: he's way smarter than me and knows way more about the Bible. So it's like, if you do it, then you can explain things to me. So join me. Um, Yeah, the Bible recap. You just read through. It's like 12 minutes. Yep, 12 minutes Um, of Bible And then there's a a podcast that follows. The woman who um, facilitates it, her name is Tara Lee Cobble. She's brilliant um, and has been doing this for years and years. Um, My favorite thing that I've discovered since we started is isn't the knowledge that I've gained, because let's be honest, I I think I've understood less than I've actually, like, I know, I don't know if I I know less now, but I've understood less than I thought. And I've never read the Bible from front to back. It was a goal because I've been a Christian virtually all of my life. And um, I just hadn't, I'm like, I don't, that's what you're supposed to do. So I need to do it. And I like how she does it chronologically. So the Bible, if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it's not chronological. Um, But she lays it out chronologically. So you listen for 12 minutes or read it. You can read it. Um, And then she does kind of breaks it down for you in layman's terms. It's been wonderful for me. But the whole point is that it hasn't, it's not that it's necessarily increased my knowledge, but it has increased um, my understanding of god and the character of god and who Good. he is and that's the whole point point. and yes. she emphasizes it over and over again god gave us his word not so that we would be smarter or um you know just pass some v- test exactly it's not a history read, exam coming i read promise read the word but he wants us to know him he wants us Good. in relationship with him and that's what the bible is there for so
0: that's excellent one of the other things that god has called us to is the bible is meant to be read in community one of the powerful things that happens when you do the Bible, like one of my favorite things about the Bible recap is, like I know a few other people that are doing it, and I text them. I'm like, was that weird or what? <laughs> did you read that thing or did you see? Like Jamie and I talk about it. There's other people in the church that are doing it. It's just the Bible was never meant to be something that you opened up, you started reading, and it made sense. Instead, it's the, there's a couple verses that are using this, but the Bible is supposed to be alive. It's supposed to be something that's coming to life in you and uh, is making a difference uh, in your life. Nels, if you don't mind coming out, buddy, we'll have you start playing. So to kind of finish up, there is a, there's an important journey that Jamie and I went through. So on, let's see, this would have been the week before the Super Bowl of 2018. I had gone in, well, better yet, Jamie had dragged me to the eye doctor because that's what a good wife does, is make you go do things like that. Makes are good you go me. to the
4: doctor and make sure you're okay? Yes. It's true,
0: it's true. It's a great thing. I've never had eye problems, still don't have eye problems, but for some reason, this is the year she's like, you're going to the eye doctor. So I go to the eye doctor, I go first, and the eye doctor, it's just me and him, and he's in there and he puts on the blood pressure cuff. And he's like, oh, it's weird, your blood pressure's high. And I'm like, oh, okay. And within about two seconds, I've totally forgotten the fact that he just told me my blood pressure is high because I'm a guy and I'm just not that interested. No big deal. I'm sure it's fine. It's because I'm at the eye doctor, right? Totally explanation. So then I... It wasn't fine. Well, so I get done with my eye appointment and then the kids do theirs and whatnot. And then the eye doctor is so smart. And he goes, hey, Scott, don't forget to talk to your wife about that thing we talked about. Because he doesn't want to hit but break rules. But he wants to make sure, which, by the way, again, I had already fully forgotten that we'd even talked about blood pressure. So Jamie, again, being the good wife that she has, makes a, blood, or a doctor's appointment for me, and I get blood drawn on Thursday. That weekend is the Super Bowl. We hang out with our friends. And on Monday morning, after the kids had gone to school, I got a call from the doctor. And he said, I can't explain this, but I need you to go to the emergency room immediately. And again, I'm just like, what are you, th- What? And he goes, you are in kidney failure. And I need you to go to the emergency room right now. He, it's like, it doesn't make sense, but just trust me, it needs to be immediate. So I look at Jamie and I'm like, I guess we're going to the emergency room. So we went to the emergency room. And I'll tell you, on our way to the emergency room, I'm like, well, they're going to find out this isn't true. It's no big deal.
4: They mixed up the blood work. Yes. What he said.
0: Yes. <laughs> so we get there and they, uh, within a couple hours, have confirmed everything. Yeah, total kidney failure. And uh, so I stay in the hospital for a week. They do a million tests. They pump me full of drugs. They do all these different things to try to see how I'm going to respond. And at the end of the week, what they tell me is, what I have is not curable. There's no hope for my kidneys. And now we're going to, really, transplant's your only hope, but you're not quite to the point where we can force through a transplant. So then four weeks later, I, by the way, I feel fine leading into this. Going into the emergency room, I feel fine. And about two days into the hospital is when, like, the basement, like, the floor fell out. Like, I got really sick while I was there. And so we kind of recoup and we're like, well, hopefully we can get a kidney transplant. And we do all these things. Well, four weeks later, I was in the emergency room again. This time I was at Mayo. We lived in Phoenix at the time, so it was Phoenix-Mayo. And uh, at that point, the first week of March, they said, you can no longer survive without dialysis. So I started dialysis three times a week. Uh, Supposedly, I guess you take dialysis long enough, your body gets used to it. Six to nine months, something like that in your body. I was completely miserable. I was so sick all the time. I was sick the day I wasn't on dialysis because I wasn't on it. I was sick the day I was because I was. Uh, it was a really, really hard season. But one of the most powerful things happened the second that I went on dialysis, which was I was immediately approved to pursue a kidney donor, to, to pursue a kidney transplant. So Jamie, would you tell us a little bit about us, how you and I met Al the first time?
4: Yeah, so the Septem- roughly September before, maybe August, um, we had taken, it had been August this summer, we had taken our kids to... A church, actually, a church plant. Um, that In was a high school, come on. A, yeah, in a high school just like this. They did a VBS for kids. And so I got out of our truck and dropped the kids off. And as I came back out, a guy said, hey, are you from Minnesota? And we're like, it's like, you're creepy, what? And he's like, are you from Minnesota? And I was like, how do you know that? And he's like, your license plate? Are, we had personalized plates that said Minnesota Made. And I said, oh, yes, yes we are. And we just got to talking and he's like, hey, I'm from Rochester. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, that's where my husband grew up. And so I brought him over to Scott and they started talking about golf immediately. So Al,
0: right now, by the way, if you go on my phone and you look up my friend Al, what it says is it says Al Rochester guy, because most people on my phone have some sort of indication for why I know you. And I just have never changed it because it makes me very happy.
4: Yeah, so they became some of our best friends. They built a house on the street that we lived on in Phoenix. Um, He actually is a graduate of Mayo High School. He has a business here in town and uh, he gave him his life back.
0: So I invited Al to come to our kickball league. We had a co-ed kickball league in our neighborhood. We had a cute neighborhood. It was was a pretty cool place. And so he came to our kickball league and we just started to build a relationship and whatnot. And within, I would say, maybe a year of that initial meeting, they had built a house on our street like eight houses down. I grew up in Rochester. My buddy Al grew up in Rochester, and we meet in this little, tiny, outside, middle-of-nowhere suburb of Phoenix. So when I hit the point in March where I was in the emergency room, and I went to the hospital, and then I was on dialysis, and I got approved to be a, a, a kidney recipient, my wife went into action. And can I tell you that sometimes you need people to advocate for you Sometimes it's really hard to advocate for yourself. Sometimes it's really hard to raise your hand and say, I need help. But it was really powerful to have my wife come forward and say, hey, my husband needs a kidney. If you'd consider doing this, here's the number, here's the thing. It was really good. We had social media then, and I hadn't been, you know, because social media played a big part. Uh, So we had a handful of people, however many apply, and the first person to get through and to get approved was my buddy Al. Al, I had not known for very long and he was ready to go under the knife and give up a major organ to give me back my life. I want you to think about something for a second. If we're gonna fight, let's fight for our future. And one of the ways we can fight for our future is two things, it's laying down our lives for others. It's truly serving the people around us. You know, I joked earlier about the fact that your enemy is not a political party. You know what else? Somebody you should serve might be the other political party. Somebody you should serve is the person at work who drives you nuts. We all got one, right? At least one. And another way that we can fight for our future is encouragement. And Jimmy, go ahead and read that verse at the top. Ephesians
4: 6:18 says, "Keep your eyes open, keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out.
0: Keep each other's spirits up. It's a fight together. I just said I, could, I needed somebody to advocate for me. I think of these different things where somebody had to step out. I couldn't have achieved any of these things by myself, but because we were together and we had community around us, we were able to see some really, really powerful things.
4: Facing death head on has a way of changing your perspective on all things. After we were given the gift of life, we now know that we need to give our lives away for each other, our family, for our faith, for our future and ultimately for his kingdom. A foundation given to Andy and Christy in the naming and planting of Echo Church and its mission is John 10.10. 10. And it's a verse that has become super special to Scott and I and yeah. to our family and to um, the mission that we're on as, as a family. It's, it's been pivotal in our faith fight. And that, John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they can echo life and have it to the full.
0: And Dex, i the worship team. Go ahead and come on out. The reason I think that is so important is because when I first came to faith, I just assumed the Bible talked about heaven and this future place and this future idea. And instead, what the Bible is really calling us to is to live a life now that matters. The Bible is written about now. The Bible is written to bring us, like all of us here at Mayo High School today, into a life-changing relationship with him. So when we talk about prayer, I don't know, for a long time, prayer felt like a burden to me. It felt like a responsibility. Like, I just felt like God only loved me if I prayed enough or only, and in reality, God just loves you. God loves you right now where you're at. Doesn't matter what you have going on. Doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you so much right now. The reason Jesus constantly points to prayer, the reason he constantly points to the word, the reason he constantly points to community and encouragement is because he knows what it takes to live a life to the full. Now, one of the things we, uh, in our journey, there was a song that was really important to us. And this song uh, is by Switchfoot. And I will tell you a funny story about Switchfoot. So Jamie and I are in this coffee shop in Phoenix, like this trendy, cool area, because Jamie likes to go to the cool areas. And so we're in this cool, like really trendy coffee shop. And Jamie has this gift. Just say what your gift is for just a second.
4: I know when there's a famous person in the room. I have no idea who they are. She
0: just knows they're but famous. But I know
4: when they're famous. I'm it's like, weird. Those, those people over there are famous. It's I don't weird. know what they're famous
0: I'm totally, it's accurate. She never knows who they are either. So we're there and I'm looking over at these people and I'm like, I have no, I'm, maybe, I'm kind of looking. Well, it turns out it was three fifths of Switchfoot, the band. So my wife's picking them out. So over music and playing and being around the music scene a bunch, I got to hang out with Switchfoot a handful of times, just really, really cool, really genuine people. And they wrote a song called Live It Well that came out not much before our kidney journey. And so this song really meant a lot to us. It's kind of our anthem. We have one life. We have one opportunity to make it count. And so the worship team is going to sing this song. Now, this is not a traditional worship song, but it is absolutely a worship song. So would you guys stand with us? And let's sing this song together.
1: So, so appreciative, that, that reminder of um, the, the gratitude we should have today, no matter what that day is, being just so thankful and grateful and knowing that the breath in our lungs is here for really just one main reason, and that's to just glorify our amazing Heavenly Father. So thank you so much uh, for your message, for your realness, uh, for being raw on this stage. I know it is appreciative um, of everyone in this room. Uh, Something we do here at ECHO to uh, help us live our life well is that constant um, reminder and surrender uh, that what we have is not ours, um, but it actually all belongs to Him. And one way that we do that is every week we say the same prayer. And whether you have said this prayer over and over again um, every week, or this is your first time, my prayer for you is that these words saturate a little bit deeper today. Um, that maybe even just one word jumps off the screen and into your soul, and you feel it, and it resonates with you all week. because. God is never never, um, done with you. (laughs) He's never had enough. There's always more to learn, um, and there's always more to his words, more weight to his words for us to absorb. So let's all just surrender this moment, whether it's your first time or you've done it a million. Let's take the time to really read these words and let them saturate, yeah? Here we go. Jesus, I surrender. Guys, can we celebrate anyone that has said that prayer for the first time today? God sees you. God sees you and he is here with you.